It's Wednesday Wonders, science fiction and fantasy on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot, Daniel French. On this flight through the spectral streams, we will be traveling back to the world of Patricia Keeler's Beyond the Wall, part two of three. So relax as we take you back to the city of Eden, far into the future. Marianne Peters and Juliet Luther are in Marianne's apartment. Is something up, Juliet? No. No. Why? You're not usually this quiet. I'm fine, honestly. I, I'm i just a bit worried about the prom next week. Well, I'm a bit nervous, too. I think we all are. I'm more than just a bit nervous. I've got this horrible feeling that the prom is going to go really badly for me. Ah, uh, don't be silly. It's just pre-prom nerves. Everyone feels like this sometimes. Do you? I'm a bit nervous. Do you have a sense of foreboding? No, not really. But you're anxious about it. No, why? Are you? Yes, I've just got this terrible feeling that it's all going to go wrong for me. Don't be silly, Juliet. That's just nerves. I just hope you're right, Marianne. Megan Clark and Matt Hargraves are at the farm. Matt is examining the quality of the crops. Another crop that's failed, Megan. People are going to starve this year. Is it really that bad, Matt? Yes. Yes, it is. What are you all going to do? I honestly don't know. If I've got enough food to last another three to four months... And then we'll be in real trouble. I don't see why the government in Eden can't help you. They'd never do that, Megan. You know that as well as I do. I know, and I'm starting to hate them for it. Megan, you remember telling me about the crops grown in special greenhouses in Eden? Yes. Whereabouts are these greenhouses? Right on the edge of Eden, by the city walls. There's one right next to the tunnel I exited from when I came here. Draw me a map. Oh, Matt, you're not thinking of doing what I think you're thinking of doing, are you? Yes, I'm going to raid Eden's greenhouses. But you might get caught. I couldn't bear that. I. Matt leans over and kisses Megan tenderly on the lips. Just tell me when you're going to do this crazy thing. As soon as I can get enough people together. I'll come with you. It's too dangerous. But I know where everything is. That's true. You do, don't you? But it is 
very dangerous. I don't want you taking silly risks. It's my decision to make. Maybe. Let me think about it. Thousands of young people and their families are gathered in a huge auditorium. There's a man standing on the stage. This is Principal Kleeman, a man of about 50. He's dressed in a shiny, high-collared white suit. Now that your career paths have been chosen, we come to the second part of the evening, which is the selection of a life partner. So without further ado, let the process begin. It'll be our turn soon. Please, please, don't let it be bad. Mary Ann Peters. Josh Layton. From the crowd, a boy appears. He approaches the podium and doesn't look at Mary Ann. Instead, his gaze is focused on the audience. After a few moments, they both leave the stage together and walk into the crowd. I'm off to join my friends. I'll see you when they announce the marriage ceremony. Josh Layton disappears into the crowd. Marianne is left standing there all alone. The time has come for everyone present to say their marriage vows. Today, you put childhood and learning behind you, and you embark on your adult lives. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to join all of these couples in marriage. Do all of the women here agree to marrying all of the men here? Then I pronounce you all married. Marianne and Josh are standing in the living room of their new apartment. Each one is holding a suitcase with their belongings. The apartment is white, clean, and furnished with metallic and white furniture. It's very nice. Yes, I'm going to sleep. Don't disturb me. Marianne is left standing in the room with her suitcase in her hand, looking upset. A few moments later, the TV screen in the living room switches on. It is her parents. Linda and Simon Peters, looking excited and happy. How's our little girl settling into her new apartment with her new husband? It's all fine, Mum. The apartment's lovely. And your young man? He's gone to bed. Gone to bed? Mum, Dad, I'm pretty tired. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Marianne and Josh are at the dinner table. Did you have a nice first day at work? No, not really. Mine wasn't too bad. Why didn't you enjoy your day? I'm going out. Marianne is asleep. Josh enters the room and gets on top of her and starts having sex with her. She wakes up, but he continues regardless and does not say anything to her. Marianne is just staring at the ceiling. She's clearly not enjoying this at all. 
Then he rolls off of her and goes to sleep. Marianne continues staring at the ceiling, silently and unhappily. Meanwhile, in the Wildlands, Matt is with about ten other people, including Megan. They're all wearing dark clothes and have big rucksacks over their shoulders. They are walking across the Wildlands. They enter the service tunnel to Eden. When they exit on the other side, Matt and Megan take out a map, and they head toward a huge greenhouse. There is a metallic service hatch lid on the ground. This takes them to the inside of the greenhouse. Very silently, they harvest as many of the crops as possible and put what they've collected into their rucksacks. Then they make the hazardous journey back. No one speaks until they reach the wildland end of the service tunnel. Well done, everybody. I'm amazed that went so well. If it did, it's mostly down to you because you knew where everything was and how to get into the greenhouse. But... But what? What we've collected isn't enough. What we've collected might last, but two or three months. It's not enough to get us through the winter. We'll have to launch another raid. It's so risky, though. Ministry High Command, Commander Vera's office. Commander Vera Anderson is standing with her back to the room, looking out of the window at the panoramic view she has of the city. There's a knock at the door. It is Senator Charles Taylor. He's a man of about 50 with an intelligent, thoughtful face. Come in. You wanted to see me, Commander? Yes. There was a raid on one of our greenhouses last night. By the Harnots? Who else? They stole some of our crops. Perhaps their crops have failed and they are suffering hardship, Commander. <sighs> are you sticking up for these subhuman creatures, Senator? No, Commander, I am not. But don't you think you are being a bit harsh on them? If their crops have failed, they may be facing starvation. So they steal our food? Perhaps they know that if they ask for help, they won't receive it. I find your Harnot-loving attitude very strange. Are you going to help me with this problem, or not? Depends on what you have in mind, Commander. An attack on the slums. I cannot and will not sanction that. When they attack again, you'll change your mind, Senator Taylor. We'll cross that bridge if and when we come to it, Commander. Hello, darling. Hey, Mom. Hi, Dad. How's our little girl? Work is okay. A bit repetitive, but it's okay. Everyone at the ministry is nice. How is married life? Oh, all right. It's all right. You don't sound very sure. It's, it's okay. I think you're experiencing a few little problems. It takes time to adjust to your spouse and to married life. He acts like he hates me, and I hate him. Nonsense, darling. The Ministry of Marriage is very careful when they choose a spouse for every citizen. 
Even criteria for suitability is run through the computer ten times. Josh was chosen for you because every single criteria matched. But we dislike one another and there is nothing there. No attraction at all for either of us. Has the marriage been consummated? Yes, but... Well, then that means he's attracted to you. It's just sex, Mom. It doesn't mean he likes me as a person. I feel you're being very negative about this. He makes my skin crawl when he touches me. Oh, it'll work out in the end, dear. It won't. Please let me come back home, Mom. I don't want to live here with Josh. Please. You know that's not possible. I'm begging you, please. You know you can't, Marianne. It's against the rules. That night, Marianne is by the city walls. She climbs up an external ladder that leads to the top of the wall. Once she gets to the top of the wall, she climbs onto the side of it and leaps off. Ministry High Command, Commander Vera Anderson's office. There's been another suspected suicide. Who was it this time? Mary Ann Peters. She threw herself off the city wall. Is it not possible she was just trying to leave Eden? No, she was one of the girls that went on that camping expedition with the missing girl, Megan Clark. She would have known all about the service tunnels, and if she just wanted to leave, she would have used one of those. So she definitely wanted to kill herself then? Yes. Can anyone shed light on why she wanted to take her own life? Her parents say she felt trapped in a bad marriage. We're getting more and more of these cases just lately. I believe our current young generation hasn't enough faith in the ministry. The ministry doesn't make mistakes. They should learn to shut up and put up like we all had to when I was a girl. Will that be all, Commander Anderson? Yes, Officer Stedman. For now. Senator Charles Taylor is sitting in the Senate of Eden with about a hundred other senators. It has come to my attention that one of our greenhouses was broken into recently by a group of hornets. This cannot be allowed to continue. If it happens again, I say we launch an attack on these creatures. I will not sanction an attack on the Harnots. They're vermin. These creatures are stealing our food. That cannot be allowed. Perhaps the crops have failed. And that makes it okay to steal our supplies, does it, Senator Taylor? Perhaps they are starving, Senator Fortesque. I think your benevolent attitude is misplaced. These creatures are an abomination. They are less than human. We cannot consider them to be worthy of the same consideration you would give to our own people. I think, Senator Fortesque, that you have a very scant knowledge of history. When our society first started, it was us who were the abominations. Our ancestors could afford to genetically engineer their children, and that's why we are as we are. We are the privileged few. They are mankind in its original state. They are people just like us, not creatures, not vermin, but human beings, just like us. Maybe what you say is true, Senator Taylor, but I refuse to accept harnets as my equals, and I refuse to treat them with the same consideration I would give to our own people. 
And if there is another attack on one of our greenhouses, then I will push for an attack on the slums. The hornets need to understand that they cannot attack their betters. Very well, Senator Fortesque. You must do as your conscience dictates, but I will not agree to this. And you, Senator Taylor, will have to do as your own conscience dictates too. But I think you will find that most of the senators here are in agreement with me. Well, you yeah. yeah. Evelyn Markham's house. Megan and Matt are in Megan's room. Megan is sitting on the side of the bed while Matt is sitting in a chair. We're planning another raid on the Eden Greenhouses in a couple of weeks. You can't. It's too dangerous. I know it's dangerous. And that's why you're not coming this time. But you need me. We needed your help to get in the first time. But I reckon we know where to find everything now. So you have to stay here. But I want to come. No! If you come and they capture you, it won't be good for you. And they'll probably make it worse for us. You'll have to stay behind this time. I'm scared for you, Matt. I don't want you to get caught. I don't want them to hurt you. Hey. Hey. It's okay, Megan. I'll be fine. They won't capture me. Matt strokes Megan's face with his hand. He kisses her on the head, then tilts her face up towards him and kisses her gently on the mouth. They embrace. After a time of intimacy, Megan is lying with her head on Matt's chest. I love you, Matt. I just want you to know that. Promise, Matt, if you go back to Eden, you'll come back for me someday. I'm never going back there. But if you do, will you come back to me someday? I promise on my life, Matt. I promise on my life. In a market square near Evelyn's home, there's a loud noise in the sky. Everyone looks up. It is an aircraft from Eden. The craft lands, and out of it comes Officer Walter Stedman and two lower-ranking officers. We're here for the girl. What girl would that be? Ah, uh, Miss Markham. I was wondering when we might meet again. Don't worry, we're not looking for you. We don't want you back, so you're welcome to stay here with these creatures. I'm looking for Megan Clark. I believe she's here. Well, you're wrong. She's not. If you don't bring this girl to us immediately, we will shoot the whole lot of you. Right here and right now. It's all right, Evelyn. I'm here. Right. Megan, we have come to take you home. I am home. Another brainwashed little fool. I'm not brainwashed or a fool. I don't want to go back to Eden with you. Get in the craft now or I will shoot down every person in sight. Don't go with them, Megan. The next person who tries to stop me taking Megan back to Eden, I will shoot to kill. It's all right. I'm going with you. I don't want anyone else to get hurt because of me. Remember what you promised last night, Megan. 
I remember, and I promise it on my life, again. The two other officers with Walter Stedman grab hold of Megan roughly and shove her into the craft. Walter Stedman walks backwards into the craft, still aiming his laser at everybody. The craft takes off. Walter Stedman and Megan are standing in front of Megan's parents' apartment. The front door slides open, and Megan's overjoyed parents are both standing there. I've brought your daughter back. <laughs> when we were told you'd found her, we could hardly believe it. I can't tell you what it means to have our little girl back home. Well, I'll leave you all to celebrate. I'm sure you've all got a lot to talk about. Later at dinner... Of course, you missed the prom. So I expect they'll be arranging a special prom for you. Yes, probably in the next month or so. Won't that be wonderful, dear? Then you'll be able to start your adult life, like all of your friends. You mean, like my friend Marianne? I'm sorry, I don't follow you, Megan. She means like that poor little girl who killed herself. No, of course not like poor Marianne. Like your other friends. So I can marry a man I don't love and have a job I couldn't care less about. What has gotten into you, Megan? That's not what we meant at all. I don't care about being given some stupid ministry job. All of the best jobs go to the children of the Senate and High Command members, the children of those in the inner circles of power. And the rest of the meaningful work is done by robots. All that's left is boring, mundane ministry work, feeding information into a computer. That's, that's all it is. It's important work. No, no, it's not, Dad. It's work to keep us busy. The real work is done by either robots or the chosen few because even in a society where everyone is beautiful and smart, inequality still exists. I don't know what you're expecting from life, Megan. And anyway, once you're married, you won't have any time to think of all this nonsense. I don't want to get married to someone I don't know or love, Mum. But he will have been chosen especially for you. I can't marry anyone. I'm already married. What do you mean, Megan? My heart belongs to Matt, and I'm not marrying anyone else. Who the hell is this Matt? He's my lover, Dad. <laughs> Are you saying he's a harnot? That you met while you were in the slums? That's exactly what I'm saying, Mum. Oh my God. You don't mean to say that you've given yourself to one of those vile creatures. He's not a vile creature. None of the people who live there are vile. Matt is the kindest and smartest person I've ever met. We have all been told lies about the harnots. We have to view them as somehow inferior to us in order to make the way we treat them all right. I, I can see that you have returned to us with strange and alien ideas. I just hope that with time, you will return to your old self. 
Matt is looking after some of his animals on the farm. He is approached by Evelyn. Oh, why Evelyn? Didn't notice you standing there for a minute. I've come to see how you are. I, I'm fine. You don't look that fine to me. I really miss Megan, Evelyn, more than I ever thought I would. That's because you love her, Matt. Do you think Megan loves me? I'm sure of it. But we can never be together. What? Why did I have to fall in love with someone I can't be with? I don't know, Matt. Love isn't always fair, I can tell you that. So miserable, I can't think straight. With things the way they are around here, I need to be able to think straight. From that, I take it you mean the food situation? Yes, as you know, the last few harvests have been terrible. That's why we raided the greenhouse in Eden a little while back. But the supplies we got there are burning out really fast. How fast? Uh, we've got enough food to last a couple of weeks maximum. I planned another raid on the greenhouse. For when? Night after tomorrow. So soon. Just be careful, Matt. Megan is standing outside Senator Charles Taylor's flat. The door slides open, and Senator Charles Taylor appears in the doorway. Come in, Megan. I was expecting you. Do take a seat, Megan. Can I get you anything to drink? Uh, no, thank you. Look, Senator Taylor, can we get this over and done with? Get what over and done with? My parents told me you wanted to see me. You're the senator in charge of this district. I thought that maybe you wanted to tell me that a career and spouse has been assigned to me. No, I wanted to see you because I want you to tell me a bit more about life in the slums. What? So, that you can make their lives even harder? No, because I would like you to tell me if you met a man named Nathaniel Jackson while you were there. He's a man who would be about 80 by now. Why do you want to know? What's he done? He hasn't done anything. I just need to know. Why is it so important to you, Senator? He... he might be my father. Your father? I don't understand. My mother, Sylvia Underwood, escaped to the wildlands when she was a girl. And just like you, she was found and taken back to the slums. It was there she met and fell in love with Nathaniel Jackson. A month or so later, she too was returned home to Eden, where she quickly agreed to marry my father, Samuel Taylor. Nine months later, I was born. My father, Samuel, did not suspect anything. But my mother told me when I was old enough to understand that Samuel was, in all probability, not my actual father. But you're not 100% certain that Nathaniel is your birth father? Not 100%, no. But a simple DNA test would tell you. Part of me doesn't want to know. The man who brought me up and who I've called father all my life would not be able to cope if he discovered I was not his actual son. So you want to know about Nathaniel Jackson? Well, he's pretty old now, but he's still alive and quite well. Although I don't know if that will last, the slums are in dire need of food. They're facing starvation, and if that happens, it'll be the youngest and the oldest who will die first. 
I suspect that was the reason for the raid. Can you help in any way, Senator? I will try to help if I can, although I'm not entirely sure what I will be able to do. I just want you to know I'm on your side, Megan. Thank you, Senator Taylor. And that wraps up part two of three from Beyond the Wall. Written by Patricia Keeler. Megan Clark was Deborah Cristobal. Judith Clark and Vera Anderson were Napoleon Doom. Jonathan Clark is Frank Guglielmelli. Eliza Greenway, Marion Peters, and Sarah Markham are Rosanna Jimeno. Juliet Luther is Megan Soloff. Walter Stedman, Simon Peters, and Josh Layton are played by Pete Lutz. Matt Hargraves, Senator Edwin Fortesque, and Principal Klingman are Blake Benlin. Linda Peters is played by Cindy Stevens. Senator Charles Taylor is played by Spencer James Frederick. Evelyn Markham is Caitlin Curtis. Please help out Chronosphere Fiction by downloading as many episodes as you can. Subscribe and become a patron at patreon.com slash chronosphere or send a buck via Venmo at at Fishbonius. Thank you for flying on Chronosphere Fiction. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean. Thank you for listening to Wednesday Wonders right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together. <laughs>